Hello, welcome to Okawa Book Club. So we're your hosts, I'm Dylan. I'm John. And we're going to be discussing the teachings of Riho Okawa. Riho Okawa is a world teacher, master, and CEO of Happy Science Group. All right, so today's episode is on the laws of hope. The light is here. It's a book full of courage, wisdom, and light. But to begin, I'd like to turn it over to John. So John, could you please read the preface of this book? Absolutely, Dylan. <clears throat> the preface from Rio Kawa is as follows. This book is the core essence of modern religion. In this book, The Laws of Hope, the foundation of the modern laws of salvation is now set down. I've dared to lay down all modern self-help teachings while knowing all about the saving power of belief in another power. I am the light, the one who came down to this world to shed light on all of you. This person, I, is teaching the laws of hope for lighting yourselves up. I wish for you to know the delight of lighting yourself up. I wish for you to be enlightened about the reason you were born to this world. Happiness and success shall be in everyone's grasp. It's my reason for creating happy science. Japan is, indeed, in need of the Buddha right now. And the light of truth that's shedding light on the world is now here. Wow, such a fantastic preface. Powerful. Yeah, so in one meaning, the light of hope being here, it means that the Buddha is here, that... The Savior is here. Riho Kawa was born, and now he's teaching all the people of the world. In another meaning, it means that you have the potential to light up your own future and the futures of those around you through your inner light, through your inner diamond. That's called divine nature. And you can learn from this book how to light up your own divine nature through the principle of hope. In this book, there are five chapters, including one prologue. So the prologue is entitled, On Hope. Chapter one, try to praise yourself more. Chapter two, what it means to succeed. Chapter three, success that prevails from this world to the other world. Chapter four, becoming invincible. And chapter five, fulfill your mission of light. So as you can tell from this book, it's really something that will help you inflame your hopes and live a brighter future. But to begin, John, in the prologue of this book on hope, we learn basic ways of thinking to make our hopes come true. Could you speak about any of these basic ways of thinking? Absolutely. So in the prologue, Master Kawad starts discussing hope and he asks you the question, is your hope right for you? And what he's saying by that is, are the things that you are hoping for actually in line with your position in life and with who you are and what's right for your soul and what's right for you from the perspective of God. Because sometimes we can hope for things that aren't right for us or maybe just aren't even realistic for us. And that could lead us down a dark path where we may not be productive and where we may uh, enter into a state of depression and self-loathing as a result of feeling unsuccessful. And so Master Kawa begins to, you know, kind of give us a formula for how we can evaluate our hopes and priorities in order to set the standards for ourselves that are actually in line with uh, the path that we're on. Yeah, that's so true. So once we know that, then we can distinguish our hopes by subtracting our false hopes away. And then we're left with our true hopes. So in the following chapters, we learn how to fulfill our hopes, including chapter one, we learn mindsets and efforts that are necessary to achieve our dreams and our hopes. 
So we might have a bad self-image. We might have a form of depression. We might feel down and lost because we're in a competitive society. But actually, victory and defeat in life can be measured in various ways. It's not just from the simple perspective of winning and losing in terms of maybe the rat race, of getting ahead in your business. But this world has a lot of paths for each person, and they can take a new path at any time. We learn that the merits of competition are that it leads our societies to prosper, but it also has a side which leads us to you know, feel depressed about ourselves. At those situations and in those conditions, we have to understand if our self-image that we're giving ourselves is actually true or not. Perhaps we might be living a false self-image that we are a miserable failure when in fact we've accomplished many great things throughout our life. And in fact, success and worry are two sides of the same coin. We might think that we're filled with anxiety and fear, but that's just motivation for us to essentially start again, to change the way we had been living, and to live a new life of success and happiness. In chapter 2, it talks about what it means to succeed. And I wanted to ask you, from your reading of this book, what do you think it means to succeed? So chapter three uh, is kind of based upon, uh, or is kind of an addition to the book, The Laws of Success, which was published in 2017. And uh, this chapter kind of takes principles of that book, but essentially continues them in order to help understand the context of that book a, a little bit more clearly. So through reading this book, uh, I, I think that the definition of success in a way is multifaceted. You know, on one hand, it's going to relate to personal success, which is brought about through personal discipline and the ability to see the opportunity in failures. But I, I think it's also, uh, there's a great emphasis that's, that is placed upon interpersonal success as well. The realization that we're not alone in this world, none of us exist in an isolated bubble, and that our success exists in the context of other people. And, you know, there, there's other ways that we can uh, gauge success, you know, such as in our marriage partners, you know, romantic partners. It's uh, a lot of people in this world tend to rush into marriage because of maybe they're attracted to physical beauty or financial status or uh, academic status or things like that. And what Master Okawa discusses is that in order for us to actually experience success in marriage, we need to choose somebody whose character is right for us. You know, we, I think uh, it kind of comes down to like marrying somebody who we can actually see ourselves being a friend to rather than uh, just due to some superficial reason. You know, the deeper the connection, the more enduring the marriage will be. Yeah, I wanted to move on actually to chapter three, which speaks about success not just in this materialistic world, but spiritual success. What does that mean and how we can live it? It talks about a very important point of Buddhism, which is the three mindsets of happiness. That is, saving happiness, sharing happiness, and planting happiness. And I think such an important key in these concepts is moderation. You know, it's said in this book that where there's too much self-sacrifice, it could be disastrous. So we want to be altruistic, of course, but we also, you know, if we give everything, then we cannot continue to do that. 
Yeah. And um, another element that I really enjoyed was how the creation of, you know, success and happiness now, it endures throughout the ages and carries into the heavenly realms. Uh, after our death. So it's the happiness that we are able to generate now for ourselves and for the world is enduring. Mm, yeah, that's very true. And we also have to remember that if we're leading a happy life, we have to think how other people might see this life. Because there's a trap of egotism that happens to a lot of people who think they are successful. A lot of people who become successful in this material world they start to think that they are the greatest, they are the best, and they push down upon the people around them. But these three mindsets of saving happiness, sharing happiness, and planting happiness keeps us away from that egotism and that arrogance that brings us down in our future. So it's a way to keep ourselves safe from such kind of pitfalls in life. Next, I wanted to talk about chapter four, Becoming Invincible. But I'd like to ask you, John, there's a lot of management guidance and um, organizational guidance in this chapter. Is there anything that stood out to you in terms of something that you could learn? Uh, yeah, there was, um, I think, two things in, in particular. One is quite simply just about thinking about the broad, big picture perspective and things. You know, it's so easy to become embedded in the small picture um, in life on so many levels, you know. And I think this is a theme kind of touched upon throughout this book. Just because you've lost a battle does not mean you've lost the war. And just because you've won a battle does not mean you've won the war. Mm. So, you know, the big picture always has to be kept, at, I think, at the forefront of our minds. And I think that that also keeps us humble. And it keeps us in a state of being where it's almost like you're always at your first day of work. You know, you're always just starting out and it keeps you level with things. Um, something else that I thought was very important was the notion of uh, being able to consider opposing views. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to embrace opposing views. It, it just means that when we can consider opposing views, whether it's from within our own organization or however it may be, it allows us to at least understand where other people are coming from. And sometimes we may find that opposing views are more sensible than the ones that we're holding on to. And then, you know, it, it takes some humility to accept that and maybe implement something different into how we're working. Yeah, that's really important. And I think that's also connected with the way we live our lives, especially when we turn 30 years old, we hit the first turning point in being independent and making these kind of decisions that you spoke about. And if we don't change according to our age, we will not make the correct decisions for our life's workbook or our life's problems that manifest to us depending on the time of our life. It also talks about after age 40 is when we really have to start organizing and leading other people. And I really like how it mentions about how not all the star players on a baseball team become star managers. <laughs> it's actually different people because managing and playing require different kinds of talents and different kinds of efforts. So we have to rethink the way we had been succeeding and try to shift it into a way that will make our organization and the people around us grow more prosperous and successful around the age of 40. And it even talks, as scary as this may sound, about former German Chancellor Hitler and how he didn't understand this, how he didn't listen to his general staff. He ignored their advice and just listened to his own opinions, which led to the future downfall of Germany. And that's quite important, I think, to learn from that kind of a, a leader who, who failed in this world. 
There's also a few other leaders that it mentions in Japanese history. So we can learn a lot about organizational management through these warlords or these heroes in history. Absolutely. That's quite important. Yeah. Yeah, we can't only study the victors in history. <laughs> right. And then lastly, there's chapter five, Fulfill Your Mission of Life. From this chapter, if you could summarize it or mention something that really stood out to you, um, is there anything that you would think of, John? It's a strong emphasis on the idea that, you know, we are, we're all here with a mission to shed light into this world. And that light comes from our Buddha nature. And it also comes from uh, Master Okawa because he is, you know, as, as uh, was stated in the preface, the light that has come to this world from the heavenly planes. And so I think that during these times, it seems like things are very dark. And in some ways, maybe they are, but it's like the, the dark before the dawn. Mm. And it's up to as many of us as we can to draw upon that light from Master Okawa and from within ourselves, from within the Buddha nature as that exists uh, intrinsically in reality to and bring that into the world as much as we can, because the light is here. It's just a matter of us tuning ourselves with it, becoming aware of it and then working to spread it. Uh, I couldn't say it any better myself. So you learned a lot, I hope, today about this book. But I wanted to read from the afterword because these words are so powerful and I think it will leave a very spiritual vibe in your heart. From the afterword it says, It's truly my wish to give all people hope. It's truly my wish for people's delight to be my delight and for people's happiness to be my happiness. This book, The Laws of Hope, itself is my love for all of you. O oh, you who have worries, stand up. O oh, you who are suffering, you will get courage from me. Now with you, here in Japan, here on this globe of earth, is this light. I dare ask you to spread this gospel of hope. Thank you, Riho Kawa, for your great words. And that's all for today's episode. The book is available at major bookstores, including Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. And for more information, you can visit okawabooks.com. That's all for today's episode. Thank you very much. It was great talking to you again, John. Likewise, Dylan. In these trying times, stay happy, healthy, and positive. <laughs>